are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I'm preaching on two words that are united in marriage. I mean by that they are one. They are together. They are united in heaven. God united these words. And only God would use them. Man would never use them. You would never use them. And I would never use them as God uses them. And I say that these two words used as we'll read them and study them tonight, prove beyond any shadow of doubt that man did not write this book. I don't know where I read this. I read it somewhere or heard it. I think I read it. Some great teacher or some great preacher said back yonder that the Bible is a book that man could not write if he wanted to write it. And the Bible is a book that he would not write if he could. So there's a lot of truth in that. These two words that I'm going to preach on tonight or use as a subject prove to me beyond any shadow of doubt that man did not put these words together that we call the Word of God. In 1 Peter, if you'll turn, please, to chapter 1, we'll begin reading. Now, I really should read the entire chapter, but I won't. I'll begin with verse 18 to say... Uh, just a few minutes of time. In 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead, and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Seeing he had purified your souls, rather, in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass. Now notice that. All flesh, whether it's a king or a peasant, millionaire or pauper, it doesn't matter. All flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth how long? Huh? Forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Now, how many of you think you discovered the two words that I'm going to talk about tonight as we read? Raise your hand. How many of you think you discovered them? Raise your hand. <laughs> two men. Three, a lady back here. Anybody else think you discovered the two words that I'm going to use? Here's another gentleman. Well, I don't want to waste time, so we won't ask you any questions, and I won't ask you if you think you know. I just wondered, as we read along, I wondered if these words, as a dagger struck your mind and heart as they did mine as I read and studied and prepared this message. Now, in verse 18, for as much as you know 
that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. Both are called precious metals by man. Silver, I guess it must be precious. Uh, they claim that we can't get enough in America to continue to use it in our coins. I still say President Johnson has promised the world everything the millennium promises except the golden streets. And I got a sneaking idea he's taking the silver out to promise some silver streets. Amen. I think that's what he's doing. He says we're running out of silver. I guess we are. I don't know. I'm glad he's running that, not me, aren't you, huh? And so uh, they're going to take the silver out of our coins up to the half dollar, I believe. And of course, it won't be long until they take it out of that. But we think of silver as a precious metal, and we think of gold as a precious metal. But the words that I'm using are not connected with silver and gold. For as much as you know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but, but with thee, say two words for me, precious blood. Now let me tell you something, beloved. I love to study words. I've always studied, I love to study words. There's a book over here, a book of sermons, that the subjects are all words. I mean, a list of words. Uh, using two or three words. I love to study words. I love to see words uh, put together and how they're put together. And so I want to point out some things tonight about these two words that I say man would never put them together. He would never use them together. And since they're used as they're used here, beyond any shouted out proof to me that this Bible is word of God verbally inspired, dictated, by God Almighty to hold him in, and they pin down the words. Now listen, when we think of blood, we never think of blood as precious blood, but we look upon blood in horror. How many of you people, now listen, I don't like to talk about this. I've had, I've had some experiences in my life, and my wife is over here, and David's over here, and they know, my wife of course knows uh, all of it. I mean, she's been with me every close call we've ever had and, and some of the experiences that still make cold chills run up my spine. How that God has delivered us from sudden death and that's the truth. And I'm asking, I'm saying all that to ask you this. How many people here have ever come upon a horrible wreck in the highway and one or two or three people dead, killed instantly? One or two or three dead. Raise your hand. You ever done that? Huh? Huh? All right. What do the people do? Do they walk around and look at the bloody uh, blotches on the pavement and the bloody faces and the bloody heads and the bloody clothes? And do they look at the... I, I never forget. Never forget. My wife and I were traveling on one occasion and we came upon a horrible wreck. And after they'd removed the bodies, we were looking in the automobile. And my wife said, look at that precious little baby's shoes, soaked in blood. Now, she didn't say, look at that precious blood. She said, look at that precious little baby's shoes, soaked, not in precious blood. Listen, when we walk upon a scene of death and there's a bloody scene, we never refer to it as precious blood. 
But we look upon it with awe and we tremble and we bow our heads and in silence we walk away and talk about the tragedy. Right, Taylor? Let me just give you two little, and I don't have this written down. Heaven knows I don't. And I, I thank you when I prepared this sermon. I had no intention of telling you what I'm going to tell you now. And I don't, I still don't understand. I still, my wife and I have talked in the last 72 hours. In the last 72 hours, we've talked. And we've, I've said, and she said, why has God been so good to this unworthy preacher? And God knows I am unworthy. Back on a few years ago, we were traveling. We, I closed the meeting in Charlotte. Both of our boys were in school. And they rode the train to Charlotte on Friday night. We, my wife and I were gone. We scarcely saw our boys for nine months. And when we were close enough home, the boys would come see us. And then we'd take them home at midnight on Sunday night, so they would like school on Monday. And I'm trying to talk fast to save time because I've got a lot to say tonight. And Tommy and David rode to Charlotte or came to Charlotte on the train. And we took them off the train at midnight on Friday night. And they spent Saturday and Sunday with us. And then I finished in Homer Williams Church, Christian Missionary Alliance Church in Charlotte, a beautiful new church over on Memorial Drive. And I finished the service about 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.15 before we got away. And we were going down toward Greenville, just this side, Howard Johnson's, just this side of Spartanburg on 29. And I'd been following a young man for about 20 miles. The speed limit was 60 miles an hour. And he had his automobile dead 60, and I was on 60, just 60, 60. And frankly, I was getting tired and sleepy. Same pace looking at the uh, tail lights of his automobile. And uh, we were going along, and a state trooper pulled out right behind me. And there goes a boy. And here am I with my two children and my wife. And right behind me is a state trooper. And all three of us are doing 60. And we're on for about five miles, six miles, seven miles, maybe ten miles. My wife was sitting there, and David was was asleep, lying, he had his head over in her lap, and Tommy was in the back seat asleep, this has been about ten years ago. And all of a sudden, I pushed my accelerator to the floor and put it in traffic gear and went around that boy, and when I finally straightened out, I was doing about 78 miles an hour, and I got around him. And my wife said, don't you know there's a state trooper back there? I said, yes, I know it, but I had to pass him. I couldn't stay behind him another moment, and I had to do it, and I did. In less than two minutes, an automobile met us on a blind hill on my side of the road wide open. And the reason he was on my side of the road, he was trying to pass an automobile coming on the other side of the blind hill, and the state troopers were chasing him and had been for quite a number of miles. And he didn't see my lights, or for some reason he didn't know I was there. And he started to come around this man on the blind hill. And honest, beloved, I'm not exaggerating. His lights were so close to me, I reached over and took my wife's hand. I knew it was all over. And he cut that automobile on the other side of that car, went around it, and hit the young man that I had just passed, and killed him instantly. And it cut that Oldsmobile 88 half in two. And the motor was lying in the road blazing a fire. 
There were three young men in that automobile. We found one of them in the car dead. We found the other down the ditch about uh, 25 steps, rolled up in a ball with his head between his legs dead. And the third one died the next morning. And the wrecker came and hooked the chain to the door and pulled the door and the steering wheel out of the chest of the young man that was exactly where I was two minutes before. And there wasn't anybody walking around that night, and in a matter of minutes at midnight, the whole place was covered with people. And there wasn't anybody walking around that night talking about this precious bloody dead body, and this precious block of blood, and this precious blood on this steering wheel, and this precious blood on this doorpost. Listen, folks, human beings just don't connect the word precious and blood. You agree with me, say, huh? Now, it took so long to tell that, I won't tell anymore, but I want to ask you one more question. You remember four, five, six years ago when the airplane hit the mountain at Williamsport in the ice storm and killed everybody on it? You remember that? Say, I had reservation on that plane. You know why I wasn't on it? At the last minute, my wife decided to go. And she said, we'll drive. I'm not flying in this kind of weather. So God Almighty put it in her mind to go. She wasn't supposed to go. She didn't want to go. She couldn't go uh, from the human standpoint. Now, I'm saying all that to say this. When we woke upon a tragedy, a bloody, torn, bruised body, whether it's on the highway or wherever it is, we don't connect the two words, precious and blood. You agree with me, say but Peter said, now I, I, let me just stop here just a minute. <laughs> this dust, I'm telling you folks, just about nothing now, that's right. And I can't help it, it's all right. Nothing I can do about it, but this dust coming up in my face every night has just about ruined me. And that's the reason that I can uh, have to just keep trying to get my head open so I can breathe. Now, will you just look this way, please? Let me talk to you. Come on, and I'll hurry because time is slipping. Peter, and of all people, I still say he was a Baptist, had to be. Nobody could be as changeable as Peter was not be a Baptist. Amen. You folks come on in. We have a lot of wonderful seats. Come on in, folks, and sit down. It, it really, it makes me hurt in my heart to see you standing because I'm going to preach three hours and 72 minutes tonight. Amen. So come on. This is the last week. We'd be lucky to get out in time for breakfast. God bless you, dear folks. I don't know where you're from, but there's a busload of the folks just came. Where are you folks from? Where are you from, folks? York. God bless you. God bless you. Appreciate your coming. A whole busload of folks just come. God bless you. Now, let's get back. Peter, now look this way. I'm glad the folks are here now, and I've just started preaching, folks. Been going about ten minutes. Peter, that fellow that cursed and swore, that he had never missed the man, didn't know him. Now, he says, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood. Now, let me say this about Peter's writings, and then we'll move on into the message, and I have four simple points that I want you to carry home in you. But first of all, Peter talks about precious faith. Now, I think we would use the word precious faith, 
When we use the word precious, we talk about our babies, we talk about our children, uh, we talk about our precious old mother and our precious old grandmother. And uh, that's the way. But I, I, we, we would use the word precious faith in 1 Peter 1, 7, 2 Peter uh, 1, 1. Then he talks about the precious stone. Of course, that's Jesus. And the precious stone is mentioned in 1 Peter 2, 4 and 1 Peter 2, 8. And then he talks about the promise of Jesus, precious, through the precious promise we're partakers of divine nature. And that's in uh, 2 Peter 1, 4. 2 Peter 1, 4. And then, of course, he talks about uh, the precious Savior. Now... We understand that, but when he starts talking about precious blood, then that's another subject, precious blood. I want you to see Jesus as far as it's possible to see him. I want you to see him just a moment, then I'm going to tell you why the Bible married, united in marriage, these two words. They became husband and wife, one, precious blood. You can't separate them. But the only blood, the only person, the only blood... Uh, that was ever, the only gift that was ever, that that word precious could be connected with as having to do with blood would be Jesus Christ. Now I want you to see him if you can. Now listen. Isaiah tells us that they plucked his beard off his face by the roots. you believe that? They plucked off the head. Remember, Jesus was a Nazarite. He had never had a shave. He had never had a razor on his face. He was probably about 33 years old, somewhere in his early 30s. And when they arrested him, they took their hands and they would catch his beard and pull it out of his face by the roots. And you know he bled. And then they plied a crown of thorns, and if you've never been to Jerusalem and seen the thorn fences around the sheep folds, and I'll guarantee you no animal would ever get through one of those fences. They don't put up metal fences. They plant thorn bushes about two feet wide, and my friend, no animal on the face of this earth could get through those thorn bushes without being ripped into a thousand pieces. And they took those thorns and patted a crown, and they pressed it on his brow, right? Say, huh? And they whipped him on the whipping post with a Roman whip that had pieces of metal in it, and they beat him until his back was a pulp and a mass of torn bleeding flesh. And Isaiah said, there was no beauty that we should desire. Right? Say, huh? Wounded, bruised, beaten, crowned, his beard plucked out by the roots. He wants, if you'll just let me use a human expression, just please let me use a human expression with fear and trembling. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, he was a bloody mess. And nobody would have wanted him. And yet Peter, who saw him in that bloody mess, said, The precious blood is the only thing that will redeem you. Now, I believe in putting first things first, so turn to Acts 20. The first reason the blood of Jesus is precious, and his blood and his blood alone can be used with the word precious, is because of the origin of his blood. The origin of that blood. Now, some of you are not going to agree with what I'm going to say in the next 120 seconds. Uh, it's all right. It, it's all right. It doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. What I'm going to say 
doesn't have anything to do with you being saved. I believe it, and I'm not the first man to believe it or the only man to believe it. And I won't be the last man to state it, and I'm not the only man that's ever stated from the pulpit. But I'll tell you why, after I make the statement, I'll tell you why I make it. Now, I said the first reason that Peter could refer to the blood that stained the face of Jesus and stained the back of Jesus and stained the hands of Jesus and the blood that stained the feet of Jesus, the reason he could say it was precious was because of the origin of the blood. Now, I have red blood in my veins, but it originated with the greens. I'm a green. My dad was a green. His dad was a green. And I'm a green. And I have the bloodstream of the greens. I have a different type blood than most of you have. And most of you have a different type blood than other folks have. Now, here's the reason. In Acts 20 and verse 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves, speaking to the apostles, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Will you look this way just a minute, please? There used to be a time when the Holy Ghost called and sent ministers, and he still does in some places. In others, he don't have a chance to. They elect them and fire them. Boy, this is a Baptist crowd I got tonight. Amen, I tell you. This quietest bunch of human beings I've preached to since last Monday night, when the pulpit caught on fire. Now watch this. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed, to feed the church of God. Now we have some dear church of God ministers here tonight, and one of our faithful supporters is a is the pastor of the first church of God. And these men understand what I'm saying, and I'm certainly not taking a, uh, uh, making slight remarks about the church of God. I have dear friends in the church of God, and I'm not objecting to the denomination church of God. But when the Bible speaks of the church of God, the Bible is speaking of the one church of which Jesus is the head and the foundation, and every born-again person is a member of the church of God. A lady came up the other night and said, you're not a Baptist preacher, you're a holiness preacher. I said, certainly I'm guilty, sure I'm a holiness preacher. Every Bible preacher is a holiness preacher. You need to be afraid of the word holiness, this is a holy Bible. And uh, you folks who are scared to death of sinless perfection, relax, you'll never get close enough to it to hurt you. Take it easy, amen. You don't need to worry. Now, Let's get back to Acts 20, 28. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, to feed the church of God which he, God, he, that personal pronoun, points back to God, the church of God which God hath purchased with his, that is, which God hath purchased with God's own blood. Now the blood of Jesus originated in the heart of God. And the blood that ran in his veins was the blood of God. And that's what the liberals and the modernists deny. Jesus received his flesh from the Virgin Mary. 
in Leviticus 17, the life of the flesh is in the cell, in the blood. When Adam sinned, something happened to his blood. Jesus is not the second Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. And referred to as such in Paul's writing. So, the first Adam sinned and he became a sinner. And his bloodstream was contaminated. And God said, Adam, I'll put enmity between thee. Uh, God said to the devil, Satan, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, thou shall bruise his heel. And the seed of the woman was Jesus Christ, conceived of the Holy Ghost. He received his blood from God Almighty. You say, explain it. I don't have to. The just live by faith, not by wisdom. And if God said it, I don't have to explain it. Well, you say, I don't, I don't accept anything I don't explain. Then don't ever butter your toast again. Because you sure can't explain how a black cow eats green grass and white milk makes yellow butter. And you eat, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm not hang through. And you eat yellow butter, and it makes black hair, blue eyes, and white toenails. Now explain that or shut your mouth, amen. Put up or shut up, amen, huh? You don't accept anything you can't explain. Now, the blood of God. You say, preacher, how did it happen? God's miracle, amen, say now let me say this to you tonight, and you'll find, you'll find it'll help you, and you'll never have any trouble believing these things. Listen, I can't explain that. I stand in awe. I stand amazed. I stand trembling. I cannot. I, I feel like taking my shoes off, literally. I can't explain it. But the Bible, verbally inspired of God, tells me that God purchased God's church with God's own blood, and I believe it. Well, you say, where is the blood of Jesus now? Only one reasonable, only one reasonable answer. If the blood that ran in the veins of Jesus was the blood of God Almighty, the blood of God Almighty is incorruptible, and the blood of Jesus Christ did not corrupt on Calvary, the blood of Jesus is now with God in the Holy of Holies as our guarantee of salvation. Amen. Now, next, I said in the first place, Peter referred to the blood of Jesus as being precious because of the origin, the origin of the blood. His blood came from the heart of God. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me read a verse. A couple of verses. 1 Corinthians 15. I'm waiting for you because I want to be sure you see this. How many of you have it now? Could I see your hands high? That's fine. And those of you who don't have your Bible, next time you're going to hear any man preach, I don't care what his name is, 
It makes no difference what his reputation is. It makes no difference. Next time you go to hear any man preach, you carry your Bible. I mean that. You get one you can read and you carry it. You better. Now, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, the man speaking in spite of God, who said earlier in this book that God called him a minister to the Gentiles, and writing to one of the churches, he said, so you'll know where I got my information. He said, God revealed to me the mystery hidden from ages and eternity. God made known unto me the mystery Christ in you, the hope of glory, and Jew and Gentile, servant, uh, rather slave and slave master, one in Christ. Now he's writing in chapter 15, 1 Corinthians, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. Saved. S-A-V-E-D. Saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye believed in vain. And of course he's speaking there of head belief, unless you keep in memory, you see. There is an intellectual belief and there's a heart belief, and it is with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You can believe intellectually and be lost. Now next verse, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also saith. All preachers preach everything that God gives them, everything they believe, everything they know, they preach it. And when your preacher refuses to preach on the blood, and he tells you he believes in the blood, and yet he doesn't preach it because he's afraid he'll offend somebody, he's lying. If he believed in the blood, he'd preach the blood and make no apology for it. And when you ask your preacher why he doesn't preach on the second coming, if he doesn't preach on the second coming, if he's never told you about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and you say, preacher, I read it in books, and I hear other preachers preach it, and I hear uh, uh, the visiting preachers you bring in for revivals preach it, and why don't you preach it? And he says, I believe in it, but I don't preach it. He doesn't believe it. Preacher preaches everything he believes. He can't help it. The apostle said, we cannot help but speak the things we've seen and heard, right? God's man will preach everything he believes. Amen. So, he said, I never first of all, I wish I received. Now watch it. Are right, you looking at your Bibles? Look at your Bible. Look, look at that verse of Scripture. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Jesus died for our sins according to the Scriptures. No, I didn't write either. Huh? Oh, that's different. That's the reason I want you to carry your Bible to church. Why do you say what difference does it make whether it's Jesus Christ Lord, Messiah, Master, what difference does it make? It makes a lot of difference. The liberals like to say nice things about Jesus. The modernists like to say nice things about Jesus. Even, I had it, I had it, I clipped it 25 years ago. Adolf Hitler, Adolf Hitler told his crack army lieutenants, to practice the habits of Jesus Christ. And they'd be a great soldier and live a long time if they'd practice his habits. But he said, I'm the God of Germany, didn't he, huh? I have the clipping at home. A lot of people are saying a lot of things about a wonderful man named Jesus, 
But my brother, it was God's Christ that died for your sins. God's Christ. What do you mean by that, preacher? Jesus is his earthly name. Savior. But Jesus, Savior, could have never saved us as Jesus if he had not been God's Christ in Jesus, bless your soul. Well, what do you mean by that? I'll let Paul answer. Therefore, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new what? God don't overhaul you. God jacks you up and puts a new man inside. Amen. That's what's wrong with some of you Baptists. You got patched up. You got whitewashed instead of getting washed twice. And you can whitewash a pool and you have to whitewash it every time it rains. That's the reason some of you Baptists have to get reclaimed every time you have a revival. Boy, the amens have died out now. So I thought you was a Baptist. I am. Why don't you brag on them too many of them in the penitentiary? Amen. I brag on Jesus. He won't disappoint you. Baptist will. Methodist will. Jesus won't. Amen. For I deliver unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our what? Say it. According to the Baptist. See, preacher, why don't you shut your mouth about Baptists? Let me stop right here and set you straight. You look at me. You look straight all in the ring. I'm a Baptist. Now, I'm not ashamed of it, but I don't brag on them. And I have some more news for you. If I didn't believe the Baptist church was a little bit nearer the New Testament than any other church on earth, I'd join the one that I thought was nearer. Now, some of you folks claim to have more than I do, but bless God that you haven't proven it to me. Now say amen. Boys, empty those pans. We're going to take another offering. Amen. It is empty the money. Brother, when I have to do all the preaching and say all the amens, I get time and half time. I don't work for straight way. I'm a Baptist, and I, I don't want you to, I, I don't want you to misunderstand me tonight. I'm a Baptist. I was saved in a Baptist church, ordained in a Baptist church, baptized in a Baptist church, married in a Baptist church, preached the first sermon I ever preached in a Baptist church. But if you're a born again Methodist, you're my brother. And if you're not a born again Baptist, you're no kin to me. All born again people are blood kin brothers. Amen. Now. Let's read this again. Pride living on you, first of all, that which all shall receive, how that Christ died for our sins according to what? That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the what? And that he was seen. That is the gospel. The gospel that will save and bring men to Jesus is the gospel of the death, burial, the resurrection, and he was seen and he was taken up. And the gospel is that record according to the word of God. Not according to Bishop Pike. Say, who's he? If you don't know, don't try to find out. Amen. Now, number two. I say that Peter could use this word and did use this word in spite of God Almighty. First, because of the origin of the blood. Second, because of the purity of the blood. 
What do you mean, preacher? Redeemed with blood as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, right? Amen? Now listen, beloved, listen to me carefully, will you? I want your attention. When God the Almighty presents the church, the bride, you say, what bride? The church, the bride of Christ. When God presents the bride to the son of his love, the church, it will be without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now I want you to look up at me and I'm going to give you some more gospel porterhouse steak. There have been too many church members and that's the reason why we have so many lean Church members and Christians, so many lean. Uh, you, you take two dozen stalwart members out of the average church in Michigan, they'll have to shut the door. Seventy-five percent of the church members today are spiritual hobos and bums. The other 25% pay the bills, do the praying, do the visiting, bless your soul. You take 25% of the members out of the average church. And I'll guarantee you the pastor will have to go to work or starve to death. Shame in! Sit out there and blink at me like a dying cat in a hailstorm. You know it's the truth. Bunch of tight wads and skin flints and penny pinches. You got some Baptists in Chambersburg so tight, bless God, and they give a penny, they squeeze old label and put a permanent wage in his beard. Amen. <laughs> and when they drop him in, they say, God be with you till we meet again. The preacher, who are you talking about? I don't know if your phone's ringing answered. I don't know. Now, I got on my knees to tell you something, because when I say this, I have to get on my knees, and again, I feel like taking my shoes off. You remember when Jesus came on the scene of his public ministry, and he went to a wedding, and he performed his first miracle, and he went into Jerusalem, and he chased out the money changers, and turned over the tables, and chased out the animals? Remember that, huh? And in the last of John 2... It clearly states that Jesus did not commit himself to men. He wouldn't commit himself to men because he knew what was in men. Did you know that God Almighty could not trust man to slay the lamb that furnished the blood to save you? Did you know that? Did you know that God had to slay the lamb? Where did you get that green? In Isaiah 53, smitten of God. God slowed him. God had to do it. God had to do it. He couldn't trust man to do it. What God demands, only God Almighty could provide. And he did. God smote. Are you listening? The soldiers went to Pilate and the Jews had a high Sabbath, a special Sabbath. They didn't want any dead bodies on Calvary on that special Sabbath and they besought Pilate that he would allow them to crush the bones in their legs so they'd die fast so they could get them off the cross before sundown. And they came to the first, and they broke his leg. And that don't mean they just broke a bone, but brother, they took a mallet, and they beat those bones into shatters. 
Don't mean they just broke a leg. Read your history. In your books of antiquity, they crushed those bones. They, they beat them into a pulp. And they crushed the bones of the first, and they crushed the bones of the other. But when they came to the man on the middle cross, he was already what, huh? Because that book said, not a bone shall be broken, right, huh? And he would be hanging. Jesus Christ would be hanging on that cross alive tonight if God had not smote him. That was God Almighty in that body, my friend. What God demands, only God could provide. So, Jesus literally took his own life out of his own body and handed it to God. Amen. He'd still be hanging there breathing if he hadn't. He laid his life down, right? Now, Precious, because of its purity, and I, I can't dwell there. One day, he stepped out on the street, out in the marketplace, somewhere where there were people. And he boldly stepped out in the middle of a crowd and he said, put your finger on me. Tell me one thing that I've ever done wrong. You try that. You try that. You'll be sorry you did. Here's the way he said it. Which one of you convinces me of sin? Remember? Huh? They didn't, did they? Huh? Look up here at Oliver Green. One of the shrewdest, wisest, smartest lawyers that ever lived. Examining, and then he cross-examined him. And then he examined him again. And three times, three times, not one, not one, three times, tell you where it is in a minute, just wait and I'll tell you, I can't read, don't have time. Three times, he announced publicly, I find no fault in this man. The man's name was Pilate. The faultless man's name was Jesus. John 18, 38, down through John 19, 6. Three times he said, not once, not twice, but three times he said, you take him, you crucify him. I find no fault in him. And then he got a basin of water. And what did he do? Huh? Did he say, I'm washing my hands of this precious blood? No, huh? What did he say? Come on, say it. Somebody said it. Washing, I'm washing my hands of this man's what? Innocent blood. The only man ever lived that had innocent blood. The only man ever lived that had pure blood. The blood of Jesus Christ was pure because it was the blood of God and the blood of God is pure and precious and it will redeem you. Hallelujah. I said I'd give you four reasons. I can't. We'll give you one more. And I'm just about half through the sermon. But I'd rather quit 
than to try to finish it and butcher it and then lose my crowd. So I'll just quit. Next and last, the third reason, the blood of Jesus is precious because it's rare. The rarity, if that's a good word, the scarcity, the rarity. Ever so often you read the newspaper, I spend some time, well, I don't even remember, I don't even remember the, the type. The last time I was in the hospital, I had 19 pints of blood. I'm alive tonight because of the blood of my friends in Greenville, South Carolina. I had 17 pints the first time, 19 pints the last time, another time, three pints. I'm alive tonight because of about 40 pints of blood donated by my friends. But that blood, even though it saved my physical life, all 40 pints could never have covered the least sin that I ever committed. Now, some 40, some 40 different individuals came to the Greenville Hospital and said, I want to donate a pint of blood to Oliver Green. But mister, there was only one individual that could donate his blood to keep you out of hell. And when he said, Father, I see the cup, if he had said, I refuse to drink it, you'd go to hell. You wouldn't be saved. He was the only one that could drink it. But he didn't say, I won't drink it. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. Amen. Huh? And brother, don't tease yourself. Had there been another son, had there been an angel, a cherubim, a seraphim, had there been a saint, had there been a heavenly creature that could have taken the place of the son of God's love, God would have sinned. The rarity. Turn to First John, I'll read one verse with our heads. First John 1. Before I read that verse, I want to quote a verse. And the verse that I want to quote reads thus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That's Hebrews 9.22. Don't turn it. Now here's the last verse. I said, the, I don't even know this good English word. I don't even know it's fine in dictionary. The rarity. It was rare. Singular. The singularity of it. Only one person that had blood. Precious blood. Here's the verse. Let me read a couple of verses to get connected. First John 1, 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, what does it do? Tell me. Cleanseth us from what? All sin. Powerful blood. Precious blood. Cleansing blood. All-sufficient blood. 
Rare blood, yes, it cleanses from how much sin? Tell me. All sin. Praise God. The blood, the blood, the precious blood. Wherefore, you are not, you cannot be redeemed with anything that man has touched because everything that man has ever touched, he has corrupted. Name one thing he's ever touched that he didn't contaminate. God couldn't let man touch his lamb. God couldn't let man slay his lamb. God had to handle it from start to finish. The Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. And she conceived and she bore a little lamb. His name was Jesus. But he was God's Christ before he became man's Jesus. And he died on the cross, Christ, Jesus, God's Christ, man's Jesus. And the blood he shed was precious because of its origin, its purity, and its rarity. Are you covered by the blood? Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, preachthebible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit knvbc.com for Christian music you can trust.